Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Coach V's Huddle Podcast, where today I will be doing more of a Super Bowl preview, what to expect, what you should be looking for uh, when watching tonight's game, and doing a very late review of the NFC and AFC Championship games. I recently looked over the film of both AFC and NFC Championship, and I want to take away one major thing, which is the ability to come back from a point, a big point differential, right, in key moments. Bengals are down 18, second quarter, Rams down 10 points, fourth quarter. And context is important, right? Oh, 18 points to 10 points in this point of the game doesn't seem too much, blah, blah, blah. The way the 49ers conduct their offense is very takeaway. They value their offense in high time of possession, keep the other offense off the field, Waste that clock, milk it, keep the ball on the ground, and that's how you're going to win football games. The Bengals, when faced against the Chiefs offense, the Chiefs offense wasn't slowing down. They were red hot coming out from the first possession to right until the end of the first half where they got stopped short of the end zone. Eli Apple making a tackle, key tackle, a Tyree kill. They should have taken the points there, but I think they got a little greedy. I think Mahomes um, got a little too cocky thinking, you know, I'm going to punch it in. We need the extra points, which I'm sure in the moment everyone believed because, you know, you haven't really been stopped too much uh, at that point. But they made a key stop. They have a four down, typical 4-3 look um, with the Bengals' defensive base, right? They constantly came out on their nickel look, obviously. Um, they weren't worried about running the ball. They never came out in heavy personnel. Um, but their four, their four down couldn't get home. And you don't want to risk sending an extra defender to get uh, to get home at the quarterback because then that leaves an extra defender. That leaves the defender out of the pass passing lanes, right? Which, knowing Patrick Mahomes, he will identify and make you pay for it. So then, what what can you do next, right? You can't get home to the pass rush. I mean, the pass rush can't get home. Patrick Mahomes has all day back there, okay? And he's finding his guy. A big key of emphasis the Chiefs had on offense was getting Travis Kelsey open on the weak side, lining him up two-two, lining up on the two side, the weak side, um, and having him open against, um, you know, their linebackers uh, and their safeties, right? Having the 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 play strength lineup opposite of Travis Kelsey, right? So he would get that good matchup, whether it be, you know, a choice slash option versus a linebacker, which is easy pickings all day unless you bracket him in some sort of way, which now segues into the adjustment that they made, primarily on third down. The Bengals came out on third down, you would think, some, some sort of exotic pressure, Free up a guy, stunt, DT stunt, something. Free up a guy, get home to the passer. That's it. The Bengals did something different. They decided, you know what? We're not getting home, right? He has all day, and he's keying in on the Kelsey matchup. This is what we'll do. We'll get our DN to the side of Kelsey and play him inside out with the linebacker or safety playing Kelsey which made Patrick Mahomes hold on to that football, which you would do traditionally against a three-man rush, right? You hold the football and you find the guy open. 
But what worked out really well for the Bengals' defense primarily is that Patrick Mahomes, ever since coming out of the end of the first half, he kind of looked flustered. He didn't look like himself. He made uncharacteristic plays. And that really helped out with the, the sending three with one man high with a bracket look on Kelsey. Another thing, too, is that the Chiefs, when you hold that lead, you got to play keep away. If, you, if you're about winning football games, and what's the best way to win? What's the smart way to win? It's about playing keep away at that point. All right, you secured enough lead. There's no need to flood the opposing team. It's about playing it safe, playing conservative, run that ball, waste the clock, long drives. That's it. Play defense. But I think the Chiefs got away from the run a little bit when they didn't have to. And that brings me into what the Bengals did offensively. Even though they were down 18 points, things like that, they didn't stray away from the run game. Um, which is something you would think, oh, you know, what's the point of the run game when you get the ball downfield quick? You need to pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball. They stayed patient. They trusted the scheme. They trusted how the, what got them to that point into the season, and they stuck with it. They countered uh, the aggressiveness of the Chiefs' uh, offense with all their exotic looks that um, they like to run, and their aggressive front four with Frank Clark, Chris Jones. They ran a lot of jet sweeps, screens, um, to get guys like Joe Mixon the ball, get guys like Jamar Chase the ball. And Joe Burrow, I mean, ultimately, we all know the Bengals' offensive line is not the best in the world, right? Definitely bottom three in the league. His ability to extend plays late in the game when the pocket was collapsing around him, him finding that extra time on key third downs. There was a lot of key catches by T. Higgins in third down situations late in the game, primarily in the fourth quarter. That really kept their drives alive and kept that momentum swinging and swinging and swinging. You could see the momentum shifting on each third down conversion. Overall, my takeaway from the AFC Championship game, now leading into this upcoming Super Bowl and things that I would be focused on and worried about as a Bengals fan, um, or if you're like keeping an eye out for the Bengals, one key concern I have for the Bengals go facing up against the Rams is the Rams' ability to get guys like Von Miller one-on-one with you know a guard or a tackle, running stunts to one side, forcing a slide protection uh, away from Donald or Von. And they have great ways to scheme Von Miller, um, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald open. And <laughs> they're able to get home to Tom Brady several times. And Tom Brady has one of the best O-lines in the NFL. Now we're looking at the Bengals where they've played better down the stretch, but not otherworldly they're still bottom five at this rate they don't pride themselves on their own line and holding up against a front a good front four so that's something i would watch out for i would i would think that the cincinnati Bengals comes out with a lot of screens a lot of counters a lot of traps um ways to counteract that aggressive pass rush of the la rams that's got them that far into the season now let's get into the nfc championship game and the 49ers and the rams the Rams, what makes me so intrigued with the Rams, and I'm a 49ers fan. Dolphins a 49ers fan. So it takes a lot for me to admit when the Rams are playing at a very high and elite level. The Rams, what makes them so, so special aside from talent and the superstar ability they have on their roster is their ability to be multiple. The 49ers thrive on giving different looks with different personnel, with shifts, motions. The Rams have an answer for everything they face. They have about 10 to 15 different looks in, in formations and personnel packages to combat certain heavy personnel, 22, 21, anything. Um, and they're very multiple. And the way they disguise everything, they're very comfortable in the scheme that they run defensively, which makes things very dangerous, right? 
when you combine elite talent with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, with an experienced play caller, it creates a lot of issues for any offensive coordinator, even the best out there like Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, all those guys. Um, it really creates a lot of issues as a play caller. It really limits how much you can do. You really can't do much in the drop back game. Uh, they get home very quickly. You have guys in the secondary like Jalen Ramsey, who at times play the slot. Make things very difficult. But aside from that, looking at the general game review of the NFC Championship, they're very multiple. They established the run very early and often. And they had 70 yards total running the ball, primarily in the first half. I think they got at least 50 of their 70 yards in the first half. And then the Rams' ability defensively to hold the 49ers to only 50 yards rushing in four quarters, which to me is, I think that was a key facet of the game. I think that's what led them winning um, this game. The 49ers thrive on keeping the ball away from the other team, having the time of possession on their side, and establishing the run and panning it down the field. That's how they've done it. That's how it's gotten them this far. And the Rams really keyed in on how to limit that. With that being said, since they limited the run game to only 50 yards, you would think, okay, well, what's the time of possession looking like? The Rams had the time of possession here. They had 35 minutes to a 24 with the San Francisco 49ers. And I think that's the tail of the tape right there. That kind of tells you, okay, well, you can't really win football games when your offense thrives on playing keep away and, and relies on having that time possession to your side. Once you lose that and you can't hold defensively, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to claw back from that. Another key point with the third down conversions uh, for the Rams, they're 11 of 18 on third down, while the 49ers were 3 of 9. That also just shows the tail of the tape that the Rams had the ball primarily this game. They, held, they had possession of the ball most of the time. Um, which is something the 49ers, I'm sure, never want to happen. They thrive themselves on the running game. Uh, they thrive themselves on having long uh, 10 to 15 play drives that keeps the opposing offense off the field. They held the 49ers to 50 total plays on offense. And another key point is the Rams offense. And primarily, more specifically, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cub. They were on the same page early and often. You could tell that this is the third time the Rams play the 49ers this year. They know to expect. They have a strong front four. It gets home to the quarterback. And there's really nothing exotic, too exotic. Run, they're running in the secondary. Primarily, it's going to be uh, off coverage with the corner, some sort of cover three, quarters look. They don't thrive on pattern match principles. They're more traditional in the sense that they run like country cover three, which is just drop zone. You don't really carry the two and things like that. You don't have those pattern match principles. So with that being said, Stafford and Cup, you know, let's say if he sees off, right, off the corner, he's willing to take those three yards, right? So he never went broke taking a profit, right? Peyton Manning says that all the time. Never go broke making a profit. If they have that three-yard, five-yard hitch off coverage, you're going to take it, right? The defense has to adjust, adjust somehow, right? And most of the game, especially on key situations, third down, Cooper Cup was the guy. He made key plays in key situations. I think he had one drop late in the game. Aside from that, I mean, he was lights out. Him and him and Stafford were just on the same page primarily the entire game. And then one final thing to state in regards to the 49ers and Rams uh, NFC Championship game. This is more on the 49ers side, is that they got away from the run game a little bit too early. You're up 10, 17-7 to start the fourth quarter. Why not continue to run the ball, right? It's about playing keep away. If you limit their offensive possessions, and keep the ball on the ground and extend those drives, execute on third down, 
then all you got to do is just, you don't even have to score. You just have to keep the ball long enough for them to not have that ability to come back, right, from a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter. But you have to give credit to the Rams. The Rams, due to their high versatility on defense and their ability to run multiple looks defensively, they're able to hold the 49ers to 50 total rushing yards. When I read that stat, I couldn't believe it. 50 total rushing yards from one of the best run games in the NFL. I think that was the key to the game. I think that's what won them the game. You hear you hear it often that defending the pass is a luxury that you have to earn by stopping the run. The fun things happen on third, uh, you know, in six plus, right? You get to come up with your your cool exotic blitzes, your dime your dime blitz packages, and get home to the quarterback. When defenses know that you're running some variation of a drop back pass, that's never a good thing. So that was the tail of the tape between both games. Now what to expect with the Rams and what I expect from the Rams uh, facing the Cincinnati Bengals this upcoming game is establishing the run early and often, rely on their key passing concepts that have gotten them this far, like the flooding concepts, right? Three receivers to one side, high, medium, low read, with a backside dig, and working off of that. I think they should focus on maintaining the ball, increasing their time of possession, keep Burrow and Jamar Chase off the field. However, I wouldn't be too worried if I'm the Rams. I think if I were to worry about one side of the ball more than the other, I think I'm much more worried about the Rams' defense than their offense. And that's saying something with, you know, I mean, the Offensive Player of the Year in Cooper Cup having a career year, Odo Beckham Jr., Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay calling the plays, Cam Akers running the ball. I mean, the Rams are a very complete team. They don't, You look at their roster, you look at their scheme, you look at their personnel, they're, they're not really missing anything. They're very complete. They're good at what they do. So if I had to make a call of who's winning this game, I mean, I'm most likely taking the Rams. The Rams are complete. They have a good pass rush. They have the athletes. They have an experienced um, quarterback at the helm, good running back, excellent wide receivers who can get open underneath, over top, everything. Make plays after the catch. And they've been there before. Sean McVay has been in a Super Bowl game before. He's learned. He has experience. Zach Taylor is also still young. Burrow's second year, but he's playing like a veteran. I think for the Bengals to come out of this game with a win, I think that they need to have an answer for the LA Rams pass rush that they could execute for four quarters. Don't stray away from the run game. Maintain that time of possession. Win that battle. And force them. If you get one, I think if the Bengals get a turnover and they play that run first, high play drive, maintaining these long possessions, I think they can come out with a win. But that requires a lot. That requires a lot of um, scheming up, a lot of execution to get this thing done. But who am I to say? The Bengals have overcome plenty of adversity throughout the season, including last year. So who am I to say? If I'm a fan, I'm very excited for either team. As a fan who doesn't have much correlation with these two teams, I'm excited. I mean, I just want to see good football. I'm sure as many fans do. I'm sure no fan wants to sit down and it to be a blowout either side. We want a competitive football game, good football, good schemes, competitive atmosphere. That's what we want. So last thing to finish off, and this is more the psychological side of football and what it could do to you, is the Jaguarski tar dropped interception late in the fourth quarter, which could have ultimately sealed the game if the 49ers had gotten a first down or two after that interception. Jaquaski Tart stated post game that throughout the week, 
he was imagining himself being that guy, making those game-sealing plays, sending the other team home, being that playmaker in key moments, and being remembered for it. And I think that could explain as to why that dropped interception happened in the first place. Ten times out of ten, he makes that play. That man is a professional athlete, and that is a catch he could do in his sleep. He stated that in the post-presser. And I think that shows what pressure can do to a person. Too much pressure can make the most simple tasks seem very daunting. And that includes the, the best athletes in the world, too. It doesn't have to be in sports, either. It could be in your own life. You're in school, if you're a student, if you're a high school player, if you're working a job. Applying too much pressure on yourself, thinking that the whole world rides on your shoulders, can break you. It's important to have pressure at times to push you, right? Because sometimes pressure can make diamonds, right? But sometimes pressure can make you crack. So I just wanted to share that to say that sometimes it's not a good to put all that pressure on yourself because it can really restrict what you can do on the field, off the field, and just who you are as a person. Just trust that you'll do the best that you can. You'll always be good enough no matter what, no matter how your play is or how bad it is, how good it is. That doesn't determine who you are as a person. You're always going to be good enough. You just have to trust that. You have to trust where you've, how far you've gotten. And that's about it, guys. I'm excited for this game. I'm looking forward to this offseason. I'm sorry if this podcast seemed a little scrambled, a little disorganized. I had a couple of rough drafts before this final draft. Kind of deciding, what do I want to talk about? Do I want to talk about the X's and L's? No, I don't want to talk about more psychological side. Okay, should I bring up more of the AFC, NFC Championship, Super Bowl? It's a little late. What should I do? I ultimately decided just, you know, drop the video, drop the podcast today, right? They have the Super Bowl, um, just to have it out there. But once we get into the offseason, once the Super Bowl is over, it's going to be much more manageable. And once I get more, once I get more feedback from you guys, I think it'll help organize things because I can get an idea of what you guys want from me. And if you guys have questions regarding certain concepts or certain coaches and their scheme and you have just any general questions regarding football or anything like that, or if you're a kid um, playing football and you have questions regarding your position or uh, overcoming certain things in your current situations and things like that, I'm available. I would love to help you guys, um, but I can only help if you guys want the help. So this was the Coach V's Huddle Podcast, episode two, or we could call it episode one. I'm going to call it episode two because episode one was like a teaser trailer. But yeah, that's about it. I'm going to keep this episode nice, short, brief, concise, short, but also sporadic. (laughs) But yeah, I'm very excited to see what this podcast has in store moving forward. I'm really excited um, to get into my own and get comfortable with this surf, with this platform of, you know, the podcast and the YouTube. I'm new to all this, so it's going to get time to, to get used to it. But once I'm acclimated... It's going to be, you're going to be expecting a lot more episodes more often. You're going to expect a steady schedule. You're going to expect more visuals on the YouTube side um, because I know it's difficult to teach just with <laughs> lack of visual. And I'm sure a lot of people are visual learners and, and things like that. So once we get into my, once I get into my own and get used to this platform, you're going to expect a lot more material coming from the podcast and the YouTube channel. But yeah, if you guys have any sort of recommendations or comments or questions or ideas of what you want to talk about next looking into this offseason, just go into the YouTube, go into any video, and just leave a comment. Or I'll just leave my email linked in my YouTube uh, account so you guys can see my socials. There's a TikTok. Not sure what I want to do with that yet. 
I'm sure I could teach you guys like something simple, like how to get a free release, how to get a speed release, um, how to throw a football, how to throw a football on the run, things like that, more basic stuff, or whatever you guys prefer on that cha- on that side um, of the socials. Because TikTok, I'm, <laughs> you can tell I'm very uh, not very tech savvy, but whatever the case is, I've been rambling on for a little bit too long. This is the Coach V's Huddle Podcast. Again, if you guys have any, any questions or recommendations, let me know on my YouTube channel. And I hope you guys have a good one. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the weekend. Um, and we'll be looking forward to talking to you guys next time.